All right, this evening uh, we will pick up in Numbers chapter 32. The plan is to cover both chapters 32 and 33. This evening, uh, last time, as a, as a brief reminder, we only covered Numbers chapter 31 and the, um, the, the, the Israelites um, slaughtering the Midianites there and talked uh, extensively uh, in that hour about the implications for us as New Covenant believers, um, thinking about the concept of, of holy war and, and uh, how we ought to think about these things. And then we went and visited the, the New uh, Testament and some of the language there. So we pick up tonight, the, reminder, the Israelites are, are still on the east side of the Jordan River. Uh, Moses is preparing to die and uh, pass on his leadership of the Israelites uh, to Joshua as they are getting ready to travel west across the Jordan River into Canaan. And uh, what we'll see tonight uh, in chapter 32 is that two and a half tribes actually uh, make a request of Moses uh, to take on uh, some of the land east of the Jordan River. And so we'll see that in, in chapter 32 of the book of Numbers. Uh, and then we will uh, relatively quickly uh, move through Numbers chapter 33. Not going to read the whole thing, but we will see uh, some of the history there of the travels of the Israelites uh, through their 40 years in the wilderness. So let's pick up in Numbers 32, uh, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> now the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad had an exceedingly large number of livestock. So when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that it was indeed a place suitable for livestock, the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben came and spoke to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elielah, Sebum, Nebo, and beyond, the land which the Lord conquered before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock." And they said, If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. But Moses said to the sons of Gad and to the sons of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to war while you yourselves sit here? Now why are you discouraging the sons of Israel from crossing over into the land which the Lord Yahweh has given them? This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the sons of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger burned in that day, and he swore, saying, None of the men who came up from Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. For they did not follow me fully, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have followed the Lord Yahweh fully. So the Lord Yahweh's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years, until the entire generation of those who had done evil in the sight of the Lord was destroyed. Now behold, you have risen up in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to add still more to the burning anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will once more abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people." 
Then they came near to him and said, We will build here sheepfolds for our livestock and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed ready to go before the sons of Israel until we have brought them to their place, while our little ones live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every one of the sons of Israel has possessed his inheritance. For we will not have an inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this side of the Jordan, toward the east. So Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for the war, and all of you armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord Yahweh until he has driven his enemies out from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you shall return and be free of obligation toward the Lord and toward Israel, and this land shall be yours for a possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build yourselves cities for your little ones, and sheepfolds for your sheep, and do what you have promised. And the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben spoke to Moses, saying, Your servants will do just as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our livestock, and all our cattle shall remain there in the cities of Gilead, while your servants, everyone who is armed for war, will cross over in the presence of the Lord to battle, just as my Lord says. So Moses gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest, and to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' households of the tribes of the sons of Israel. And Moses said to them, If the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben, everyone who is armed for battle, will cross with you over the Jordan in the presence of the Lord, and the land will be subdued before you, then you shall, put, you shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. But if they will not cross over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. And the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord Yahweh has said to your servants, so we will do. We ourselves will cross over, armed in the presence of the Lord, into the land of Canaan, and the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us across the Jordan. Alright, so here we have um, this uh, the fact that... Um, the tribes of Reuben and the tribe and, and Gad make a special request uh, of Moses here on the east side of the Jordan, and that is actually for them to stay uh, on the east side of the Jordan so that uh, they can raise their livestock. Uh, you can see in verse one they had an exceedingly large number of livestock, and uh, I, I would just note here that if you remember all the way back from Numbers chapter two, for example. Um, the tribes of Reuben and Gad uh, traveled together, uh, even through the wilderness, in the same camp. Um, and so uh, they, they apparently had grown uh, to be close, and they had uh, apparently some uh, acumen in terms of raising livestock. Uh, and so the Lord had blessed them in that way. And so they see the lands of Gilead and Jazer on the east side of the, uh, the, the Jordan River, and so they make a request of Moses to stay there and to settle there. And uh, you can see they came to Moses and to Eleazar the priest in verse 2. They named several cities in verse 3. And they make this request in verses four, five, and 4 and 5. So Moses' initial response here is, uh, quite frankly, one of anger. And you can see that in verses 6 
and following. He asks them, Why are you discouraging the sons of Israel from crossing over into the land which the Lord has given them? Verse 7. And then accuses them of doing the very same thing that their fathers did uh, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. And so uh, Moses is hearkening back to Numbers chapters 13 and 14, if you remember that, when they sent the spies out of Kadesh and into uh, the land of Canaan to spy it out. Uh, And uh, ultimately, 10 of the 12 spies that were in the land for 40 days came back and gave a bad report and discouraged all of the other uh, Israelites, except for Joshua and Caleb, of course, but discouraged all of the other Israelites to actually not take the land that God had promised to Abraham and his descendants. So Moses here in verse 8 is accusing um, the tribes of Reuben and Gad of of, uh, doing the exact same thing Uh, If you remember, 40 years later now, uh, since that entire generation of Israelites who have been brought out of Egypt has fallen in the wilderness. So uh, he mentioned, he uses the same word uh, in verse 9, discouraged for when they, the spies, went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the sons of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And then you see uh, verse 10, uh, recalling from Numbers chapter 14, uh, verses 28 and 30, the Lord's anger burned in that day, and he swore, saying, none of the men who came up from Egypt, from 20 years old and upward, shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. For they did not follow me fully, except Caleb, and of course Joshua the son of Nun. Verse 13, the Lord's anger, if you remember from Numbers chapter 14, burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until the entire generation of those who had done evil in the sight of the Lord was destroyed. Now, again, the accusation comes against the tribes of Reuben and Gad. Verse 14, now behold, Moses says, you have risen up in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to add still more to the burning anger of the Lord against Israel. And then this warning, verse 15, for if If you turn away from following him, that is, if you, uh, Reuben and Gad, turn away from following him, God, the Lord, he will once more abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. And so clearly, uh, Moses here is making an appeal uh, to Yahweh's justice, Yahweh's consistency. Moses sees no reason why he will not do the same thing again uh, with this brood of sinful people, this generation of Israelites who uh, now are, it looks like they're saying they actually don't want to go into the land again, which is exactly what their fathers said 40 years prior. Verse 16, they, Reuben and Gad, uh, assuming the leaders of those tribes, came near to Moses and said, We will build here sheepfolds for our livestock and cities and for our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the sons of Israel until we have brought them to their place, while our little ones live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not, verse 18, return to our homes until every one of the sons of Israel has possessed his inheritance. And we can actually see this fulfilled 
Uh, we can see it's fulfilled that the Reubenites and the Gadites, and we will see later the half-tribe of, half of Manasseh, they will in fact pass over the Jordan with the rest of the army of the Israelites in Joshua chapter 4. And so they will make good on the promise that they make to Moses and to Eleazar and to the rest of the army here in Numbers chapter 32. And they will stay and fight for Israel in the land of Canaan all the way and until Joshua chapter 22. In Joshua chapter 22 verses 1 through 6, that is the time uh, at which the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh actually returns uh, to their homes. And so they will be with the army of Israel for many months uh, as the, Can- uh, the conquest of Canaan is taking place under the leadership of Joshua, Moses' successor. So they make this promise And so uh, in verse 20, we pick up again with Moses. He says to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for the war, and all of you armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord Yahweh, then afterward you shall return and be free of obligation toward the Lord and toward Israel. And this land, that is the land of Gilead and the rest of it on the east side of the Jordan, shall be yours for a possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. And so we see here in verses 20 through 23, we have more conditional statements. We see clear if then, right? So if you keep your promise, then afterward you shall return and be free of obligation. If you do not keep your promise, then you have sinned against the Lord. And so we see these uh, conditional statements uh, all the way through here, This uh, the, the Mosaic Covenant, even uh, in the, the Pentateuch. And so this is really important. And so Moses is calling them on the carpet, as it were, Uh, to ensure uh, before the rest of Israel and before God that because they have made this promise, uh, Moses is going to hold them to it. Verse 25, the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben responded to Moses saying, your servants will do just as my Lord commands. And again, as I previously mentioned, we see they actually keep this promise in Joshua chapter 4 and are there for 18 or 19 chapters during the conquest and subdivision of Canaan in the book of Joshua, Joshua 4 through Joshua chapter 22. And so in verse 28, Moses turns to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua his successor, the son of Nun, and to the heads of the father's households of the tribes of the sons of Israel. And he provides to them these same if-then conditional statements. If the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben, everyone who is armed for battle, will cross with you over the Jordan in the presence of the Lord, and the land will be subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. And so remember, Moses has already already been told uh, multiple times that he will in fact not accompany the Israelites across the Jordan River. Uh, He will die in fact on the east side of the Jordan so that Joshua can succeed him as the leader of Israel. And so that's the purpose of the with you phrase there in verse 29. Right, will cross with you over the Jordan in the presence of the Lord, then you shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. Verse 30, but if they will not cross over with you armed, then they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. And so if they do not uh, 
come over across the Jordan with them, then they will be forced by Joshua for all of them, the little ones and the wives and their livestock, to come into the land of Canaan and to help anyway. Verse 31, the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord has said to your servants, so we will do. We ourselves will cross over armed in the presence of the Lord into the land of Canaan, and the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us across the Jordan. Uh, One thing to note here is that we see that in verse 1 of chapter 32, the sons of Reuben are mentioned first, and the sons of Gad are mentioned second. Um, I'm pretty sure... Uh, in the rest, at the rest of the time in the narrative, uh, the sons of Gad and the sons of Reuben are mentioned in their reverse order. Gad is mentioned first, and Reuben is mentioned second. Um, not exactly sure why that is. Uh, it could be evidence of Reuben's having fallen from grace, as it were, which we have discussed in the past. Uh, or it could be that in these negotiations with Moses, the sons of Gad uh, are the ones who were the ones uh, standing at the head of the line. Um, are um, Uh, discussing with Moses how they were to proceed. I just wanted to point that out. Not exactly sure why that is. Verse 33 of Numbers 32. So Moses gave to them, to the sons of Gad, and to the sons of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Joseph's son Manasseh, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, the king of Bashan, the, the land with its cities, with their territory, territories, the cities of the surrounding land. And then in verses 34 through 42 in the rest of the chapter, there are um, a number of cities that are mentioned there in the land of Gilead and, and other places on the east side of the Jordan that the uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh uh, took over. So I want to um, share my screen just to give you a sense of what this looks like. So perhaps you've seen um, a picture like this of the, t- the 12 tribes. So um, you can see, and, and this, this would be dated uh, to um, the book of Joshua, because you can see here in the land of Canaan that the, the land of Canaan itself has also been divided um, among the remaining tribes. But I point this out here. You can see that you have on the east side of the Jordan River, the Jordan River connects the Sea of Galilee in the north with the, the Dead Sea in the south here. And so this is the Jordan River right here. And so the Israelites are on the east side of the Jordan River, most likely somewhere over here. And you can see that the tribe of Reuben here in the south, the tribe of Gad here right around the Jabbok River area, and then the half-tribe of Manasseh is up here. And apparently they were also uh, keepers of livestock and had chosen to throw in um, at least half of their tribe's lot with Reuben and Gad on the east side of the Jordan. And then you can see over here the other half-tribe of Manasseh, which eventually uh, becomes the central uh, portion uh, of the northern kingdom of Israel, Manasseh and Ephraim here. Right? So I just wanted to give you a sense of what this looks like once the entirety is apportioned, but the sense of what is going on with Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh on the east side of the Jordan River. So there's a couple of comments I want to make uh, as we close up in Numbers uh, chapter 32. Um, the first one has to do with uh, the motivation of 
the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad. And um, it's very interesting, that the commentaries here. Uh, for example, uh, I would note that, that John Calvin um, believed that the motivation of the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad in re- requesting uh, this land on the east side of the Jordan uh, was primarily negative. Um, that they saw that the land was uh, was was pleasing to the eyes and, and, and good for food, right? He harkens back actually uh, to Genesis chapter 3 uh, and, and attributes this desire uh, of Reuben and Gad um, to uh, nefarious desires actually and, and not having a desire to go into the promised land and to acquire land um, th- that uh, God had promised uh, to Abraham. Um, it, it, my view is is this. It's it's actually harder to say f- for, from my uh, perspective what the motivation of Reuben uh, and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh is. Um, and the reason I say that is because it's abundantly clear from the, from the narrative in Numbers chapter 32 um, that Reuben and Gad... Uh, are are more than willing to make a promise to their to their uh, brothers in in Israel and to keep that promise, as I previously mentioned in Joshua chapter four through twenty two, uh, Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh send uh, fighting men uh, into Canaan under the leadership of Joshua to ensure uh, that the the land of Canaan is indeed conquered by the remaining tribes of Israel, and and to me that seems like. Um, uh, an aspect of of nobility, at least in their motivations. So I, I'm I'm on the fence on this one. I don't think we can say uh, definitively. But the second point I want to make here is is why is is this important? This the fact that Ra, um, Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh stayed on the east side of the Jordan. The reason why this is important um, is because all the way back in Genesis chapter 15, this is exactly what God told. Abram he was going to do. So if you would turn back with me to Genesis chapter 15, that um, oh so important chapter where God makes this covenant with Abram. Genesis chapter 15, I'll pick up in verse 12. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. And God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, obviously Egypt, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. And as for you, verse 15, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. And it came about when the sun had set that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite and the Kenizzite and the Cadmonite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Rephaim and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Girgashite and the Jebusite. So we see here that the land promise that God made to Abraham 
as part of the covenant that's in Genesis chapter 15, if you look at verse 18 specifically, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt in the south as far as the great river, the river Euphrates in the north. And, and that tract of land that is being referred to is in fact larger than the specific land of Canaan. Uh, on the west side of the Jordan. And, and again, I would point us forward to the fulfillment of that promise in its um, completion under the reign of Solomon. You can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 4. That Solomon had peace in all the land from the south in Gaza all the way to the Euphrates River. And so, um, of course, God you know, foresaw uh, and foreordained that Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh uh, would request uh, this land on the east side of the Jordan. And this is completely consistent uh, with the promises that God has made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 15, all the way to the great river. One final comment on Numbers chapter 32. So clearly here... Um, in, in Numbers 32, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh are the first of the Israelite tribes to settle, as it were, uh, after their redemption out of Egyptian slavery. And I would also note that Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were among the first who were taken into exile with Israel by Assyria in 722 BC. And you can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 15 specifically verse 24. So these tribes on the east side of the Jordan themselves were among the first to be taken into the Assyrian captivity for the idolatrous ways and practices of the northern kingdom of Israel. So the first to settle and among the first to be taken into the Assyrian captivity. Alright, very briefly, I want to work through uh, Numbers chapter 33. I'm not going to read uh, the whole thing uh, because there are a lot of uh, names there and uh, I don't know that, that all of those details are necessary in terms of the, the names themselves, but I do think that the details are important and I'll talk a little bit about that as we move through here. So let's pick up in Numbers 33 verse 1. These are the journeys of the sons of Israel, by which they came out from the land of Egypt by their armies, under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And Moses recorded their starting places according to their journeys by the command of the Lord. And these are their journeys according to their starting places. And they journeyed from Ramesses in the first month, on the fifteenth day of the first month. On the next day after the Passover, the sons of Israel started out boldly in the sight of all the Egyptians, while the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn whom the Lord had struck down among them. The Lord Yahweh had also executed judgments on their gods. And so we see here the beginning of, of the wilderness wanderings, as it were. And of course, you know, we refer to them as wilderness wanderings because uh, we, we uh, are drawn to the alliteration of it. But of course, these are not wanderings in terms of uh, they're not being guided. We see in verse 2 very clearly that the journeys of the Israelites were by the command of the Lord. We know that as the tabernacle was in their midst and, and God himself by his Shekinah glory was indwelling the tabernacle, that when, when God moved, then the Israelites moved. And so it was not wanderings per se. And of course they began in Ramses in Egypt in the first month as uh, God had, had identified the first month of Abib for them as they were celebrating the Passover. 
And then a reference, of course, to the ten plagues in verse 4 of Numbers 33. It begins with the tenth plague. The Egyptians were burying all their firstborn whom the Lord had struck down among them. That was the tenth and final plague on the nation of Egypt and Pharaoh specifically. But there's also this comment which we have touched upon before, especially going through the first nine plagues in Egypt. There are several uh, discussions Uh, through the first nine plagues. We see here at the end of uh, Numbers chapter 33, verse 4, that the Lord Yahweh had also executed judgments on their gods. And I won't go through those uh, gods again here. You can go back uh, to those discussions from the study in Exodus to see exactly which Egyptian gods were being judged uh, through those first nine plagues. And so then, uh, picking up in verse 5, again, I'm not going to read, but you can see uh, here that the the details of the sons of Israel journeying uh, through the wilderness. I would point out just a couple of highlights. In verse 10, you have the Israelites arriving and camping by the Red Sea. In verse 15, uh, the Israelites arriving and camping in the wilderness of Sinai. And then you have uh, verses 16 through 36. And in verse 36, the Israelites uh, arrive and camp in the wilderness of Zin, that is Kadesh. And if you remember back to the introduction of Leviticus, we talked about Kadesh at that time. Uh, In verse 37, they journeyed from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hur at the edge of the land of Edom. Verse 38, then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hur at the command of the Lord and died there in the 40th year after the sons of Israel had come from the land of Egypt on the first day of the fifth month. And Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hur. And then it follows again through uh, the journeys, the more recent journeys of the Israelites in the wilderness. And you can see in verse 49, they camped by the Jordan from Beth Jeshemoth as far as Abel Shittim in the plains of Moab. And this is exactly where we find ourselves at this time. So uh, just one brief comment here. Um, This type of chapter which um, in our devotional reading, uh, which I assume we are doing, we are reading through the Bible every year or two or so, uh, getting the Word of God into us. This kind of chapter, admittedly, um, is a difficult chapter to read through, laborious even. I will grant that. But as... um, I talked about a little bit in December, talking about the genealogy uh, that we find in Matthew chapter 1. And of course, uh, the, the, the book of Chronicles has seven chapters of genealogies. And, and these types of chapters and portions of the text can be uh, difficult and even laborious, as we have here in Numbers chapter 33. But I want to, to impress upon you something um, uh, that, that should encourage you um, not only to read this text, but also to encourage you with regard to the veracity of the scriptures themselves. I just want to point out that a chapter like Numbers chapter 33 is not mythology. It's not mythology. It's history. The the level of detail that is provided here by Moses for the journeys that Israel undertook 
during their 40 years in the wilderness, it reads like history, not mythology. And, and, and so I would encourage you to press through a text like this um, with the view that um, it's worth your time. And, and my prayer is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be encouraged to believe that what we have in front of us all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3 is in fact history and not mythology. And I believe that some of these more difficult chapters God has given to us as a blessing to convince us that he's telling us about what he has in fact done in redemptive history, especially in this case, in the history of Israel, whom he redeemed out of Egyptian slavery. So please be encouraged by that when you, when you come across a chapter like this. All right, let's pick up in verse 50. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you you cross over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their figured stones, and destroy all their molten images, and demolish all their high places. And you shall take possession of the land and live in it, for I have given the land to you to possess it. And you shall inherit the land by lot according to your families. To the larger you shall give more inheritance, and to the smaller you shall give less inheritance. Wherever the lot falls to anyone, that shall be his. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But if you do not drive out, verse 55, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your side and they shall trouble you in the land in which you live, verse 56, and it shall come about that as I plan to do to them, so I will do to you. And so Moses, again, is given this charge from the Lord to speak to the sons of Israel. Again, he's speaking to them in the second person in verses 51 and following because he himself is not going over uh, to carry out the conquest and the apportionment of the land. Joshua will do that in the book of Joshua itself. And the command is clear that they should um, apportion the land according to the size of the tribes. They shall take possession of it. And then these verses 55 and 56. How many times have we seen these kinds of warnings? If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your sides. And they shall trouble you in the land in which you live. And it shall come about that as I plan to do to them, so I will do to you. This is echoes of Leviticus 26. We will see these warnings again in Deuteronomy 28 and 29. And we will, of course, see that even under the leadership of Joshua, not all of the inhabitants of Canaan will be killed. And these inhabitants of Canaan will, in fact, be thorns in the sides of Israel all the way up to and through the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And so this is a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, I'm sure that you are aware of this, that even the best kings in Judah, it says in Kings and Chronicles, they did not remove all of the high places in Israel and in Judah 
And because of that, uh, there were the two captivities, the Assyrian captivity of the northern kingdom in 722 BC, which I previously mentioned, and then subsequently the Babylonian captivity of the southern kingdom of Judah in 586 BC, as Nebuchadnezzar comes in and burns the first temple to the ground. Right, And so um, it cannot be said that the Israelites were not warned. The warnings have come many times, and the warnings are clear, and we are given those warnings again here in Numbers 33, verses 55 and 56. So when we get together next time, uh, Lord willing, uh, we will finish out uh, the book of Numbers 34, 35, and 36 as we see uh, the instructions for the apportioning of Canaan. Uh, We will wrap up the book of Numbers, and then we will prepare ourselves to head into the book of Deuteronomy, which means the second law. And of course, the law has to be given a second time. And you all know why, because this is now a new generation of Israelites, the first generation of Israelites that were brought that was brought out of Egypt have fallen in the wilderness and now this new generation of Israelites will be given the law a second time under the leadership of the the final acts actually to be honest of the lawgiver Moses so that is where we are headed